Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. This time with our roundtable and our partner, the one and only partner, Veterans Legislative Voice, and our ASG correspondent, Stephanie Collada. Today is Saturday, August 26, 2023. August is National Wellness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And once again, we have Stephanie Collada with us. Of course, she's a U.S. Army Sergeant First Class veteran and founder and creator of the Veterans Legislative Voice and our ASG correspondent. We're going to talk about government budgets and also the Freedom Caucus demands. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. It's heat in Chicago starting to abate a little bit, so it's getting a little bit cooler. I think we're down to 75 today, but it was like like 115 with the heat index the last few days. I'm still jealous. We're still in the 90s down here in Florida, so... But everybody, I hope they're having a great summer. Um, One of the things that, I mean, you know, we're talking about is going to be the budgets. Right now, Congress is is in recess. They don't meet back up until the beginning of September. So the budget is going to be like the big thing that's going on right now um, when they get back into the offices. Wow. So what are some of the things that they're talking about with this budget? What What are the Freedom Caucus demands? Oh, one of the biggest things on the Freedom Caucus is what we've talked about, and um, <laughs> it's a big thing with Glenda right now, too. Um, so Senator Tuberville's uh, hold on the promotions because of the military's um, change in policy to pay for travel expenses for abortions uh, for people in the military. The prohibition was added to the uh, bill. And a few other things like the prohibition of um, reimbursement or coverage for sex changes for those that are trans in the military. Those are one of the things that had been put into the bill and got to remind everybody the House is, is has the majority of the GOP, but it's a thin margin. And that's the reason why caucuses like the Freedom Caucus try to flex their um, strength because there's enough of those people to hold out and not pass if those guys don't pa- if those guys don't agree with the majority of the GOP. So a lot of times, if they want to try to pass something without the Freedom Caucus, they would actually have to go to the opposite opposite side of the aisle, which we know can actually uh, lose your seat, like a few other P- um, GOP people out there that supported the investigation into Donald Trump. Uh, the Senate is currently a majority to the DNC, to the Democrats, but it's only by, you know, two people, by the by the vice president and one more senator. So it's a very thin margin. A lot of things to pass requires a 60 uh, vote to pass. And we're at 5152 for the for the Democrats. And kind of to kind of remind um, audiences about what we've talked about in the past from previous shows with these two issues, with or mostly with the with the, um, with veterans or not veterans, but people that are service members, women trying to get abortions or go to out of state or out of their post to get abortions to states that offer that offer those. A lot of this is in cases of um, when the health of the person is in danger. Yes, it's uh, so the the military will only provide an abortion or compensate now compensate for travel to an abortion if the um, pregnancy is from rape, incest, 
or for the wealth and health healthware of the mother um, or you know the person bearing the child and that's the only reason why they would pay for the travel expenses dod representatives have said multiple times in press conferences and press releases that they've told senator tuberville this is perfectly legal by the hyde amendment but for some reason senator tuberville keeps missing the exception part of the amendment so if those that want to look it up look up the hyde amendment go to the exceptions because he stops at the semicolon and not the period so you could read it for yourself on who's who's saying what's legal and what's not. So I think it'll be it'll be really really sad if if a, if a woman needed to get an abortion for a health reason and died, yeah, as a result of something that could have been prevented. The complication in that is that there's also the fears first doctrine, which means you can't sue the military for um, for basically malpractice, medical mal- malpractice. So when these things happen, the family can't even find any advantage or have any benefit towards it other than the regular death benefits. So there's a lot of at stake when that when these types of situations happen. I mean, only given, I mean, you might be thinking money. Maybe that's the reason why. Well, prior to the... Um, Prior to Roe v. Wade being rescinded was that in the previous year, the military only performed 14 abortions. Right. I'm not a match. I'm about to say it's not like there's the women are a minority in the military, first of all. And then second of all, it's yeah. not you don't see a lot of pregnancies in the military. Yeah. You just don't. No. And, and if, and if and they the do, it's typically com- usually going to keep the child because usually it's because you want to start a family or maybe you have a spouse that's in the military with you. Yep. Or you just want to be an independent woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know what? More power to them for doing that. I mean, I stayed. I I made the decision not to have children when I had my military career because with military careers, if you become pregnant, you could fall behind mm-hmm. very quickly because you're restricted from doing a lot of things when you are pregnant. So I mean, focus on on careers like that. Women are less likely to be promoted because of things like that for mm-hmm. health reasons. So I mean. That's that's what happens when you are a female and you have a vagina. <laughs> and for the women out there in the military, 40% of the women in the military currently are stationed, duty assigned stationed in a location that practically has no allowances for abortions. So those are the ones that are six, the six-week ban, and you only find out you're pregnant at six weeks. So much less, you know, some people you actually have to wait until after six weeks to find out that you're actually pregnant and those type of things. And even the dating can be incorrect. This one I know for sure, because this has happened personally and for a few other people I know, the actual dating, um, the child or the fetus in, the, um, in a woman actually is not completely accurate. It can be, um, it can be very inaccurate. Mm. Now, in the cases of uh, trans uh, surgeries or surgeries to help someone change uh, their gender or gender reassignment, however you want to classify or call it, um, is that yeah. considered um, a health question or is that considered like plastic surgery? Well, how do they classify that type of procedure, medical procedure? That one I'm not quite sure of, and I'll be honest. But I will say, I personally, I know on the civilian side, they often classify that as plastic surgery. And for those that don't know in the military, you're actually allowed one elective surgery in your career. A lot of people use it for LASIK. Um, Some women do it for breast reductions or enhancements because you're actually allowed to get the enhancements because you got one in your time frame. Um, And because there's plastic surgeons that 
ton of them at Walter Reed, and they need to keep up the practice because you know what? Plastic surgery is not very often in the military, yeah. and it's usually because of battle um, you know, injuries or um, freak accidents. And so they came up with this program many years ago that people can do elective surgeries for that. And to me, that's what it goes under. Um, I was still serving um, in the Army Reserve and working for the Army Reserve as a DOD civilian um, during the time frame that the trans, uh, transsexual ban was lifted under Obama. And this had became a big thing because um, a lot of people of the conservative side was very angry at this because they were worried about the money wasted on performing these surgeries. I haven't found any statistics yet of how much money it actually cost them, but I can't imagine it's that much because it's not that many people. But many of the people that I knew that um, were serving and trans had already left the military, transitioned, and then when the ban lifted, they came back in. And that's the same for those that were LGBTQ. Once the don't ask, don't tell policy was rescinded, um, LGBTQ people came back in, in the military, prior service people. And we actually had a bit of a retention and um, recruitment bump when those things happen. And they, um, so when we're having a recruiting issue and a retention issue, uh, you know, maybe we need to go back to what we did before to get those bumps back. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people think that are cons- on the conservative side, this, I think, are just morally opposed to the idea of someone changing their gender. They think that's just something yeah. just completely immoral and should never, ever happen. Um, and then yeah. a lot of people just really don't care. They, they, just, they don't care less what somebody else is doing with their own personal bodies. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So the, but that, that brings that, that controversy. And, but to your point, we don't know if that's something that's going to be really that common. And then... Yeah. But when I did, but that's my that's why I go back to that question. How do they classify it? Is it something that is um, tied? Do they relate it under gender dysphoria, and there's something that needs to be done for the psychological and and well being of the person, or are they just treating it as cosmetic surgery? You're just doing something that's cosmetic. It's not necess- not necessary per se. Um, it's probably it's probably all of the above. Mm-hmm. Is what my guess would be because I know I have seen the gender dysphoria on medical records before for those soldiers. Um, so, I mean, I've seen that portion. I know at least for the surgeries, those that perform those surgeries are plastic surgeons. So it's probably in all of the above. Um, just to remind people, I mean, the military spend more money on Viagra for our soldiers <laughs> than probably the, you want the Well, I guess, you, well, I don't know. I don't know why you need Viagra when you're 19 so, years old. Buddy. <laughs> Just saying, just putting it out there. <laughs> I'm not doubting it. I'm not doubting it. But the thing is also, the thing we talked about on our show years ago when we first started talking about this yeah. topic is um, in the field, when you're deployed, things like that, um, what, what is it like for people that might need certain treatments or hormones if they don't get those things and they're in a mission or they're deployed or they're overseas or, God forbid, they're captured? Yeah. You know, what are, because some, you have to take, what are, yeah, what are the challenges that go on with that? Yeah. You know what? That's that's a good question, and it really depends because on the service, on the type of job you have, what's the current policies of the time frame. Um, I know at the height of the post-9-11 wars, they were making a ton of exceptions, mostly so that they could keep the people in that we've already trained and already have the experience. Um, those I know that had developed diabetes, they were allowed to stay in as long as they weren't on insulin. But if they were on insulin, they could only stay stay, 
stateside, mm-hmm. which I have seen exceptions for, especially if they were, you know, drill sergeants or instructors, you know, the, those jobs that you're not going to really deploy to a combat zone. Um, I'm not sure what the policies are now. There's still there's exceptions for everything, and so that can happen. I do know people that were on specific medications that needed the regular, you know, dosage and the time frames in combat zones, and it was completely, you know, legal and okay. So, and I know what it for trans people. They, there's certain hormones they have to take like regularly throughout the day. Wow. So I completely, yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's really up to the policies of the individual branches. It's all a little bit different, and it depends on the up-tempo of the missions. Yeah, my, my biggest uh, hope is is that, that they take into consideration everybody's safety, the people that are trans, the people who are serving with those people in the, in the mission uh, as a whole, and not endanger anybody. They have sensible policies that treat people fairly, but also help people live, stay alive. Regardless yeah. of who you are or what you're doing or whatever, just keep people, just keep all our soldiers and all our service members alive on the battlefield yep. and coming home in one piece. So if we can do that, then I think that's the mission accomplished. Yeah. So here, let's um, let's go over a few more things that they have. So I mean, the House um, had made this bill; it passed the House and it was sent to the Senate. The Senate had created their own bill, but then they, after a while, they actually took the House bill and added their amendment. And that passed. So what we're looking to expect once they come out of recess is that the House will probably have the uh, their original bill back to them with the amendments from the Senate. The House will have to approve or disapprove or amend those. They amend those again, it has to go back to the Senate. <laughs> so it's this ping pong game between the chambers when these things happen. So expect that. There's going to probably be a lot of talk on the things that the Senate has changed. Um, A few things that I had actually liked in the House bill that had been removed because of the Senate were things, um, I'm trying to remember, oh, the requirement, uh, basically uh, dental for reserve personnel was removed after the Senate's amendments. And this would actually help out with the dental health care that they have from their Trico Reserve Select program, mm-hmm. and that was removed, sadly, which is actually pretty hard because um, a lot of people in the Reserve and Guard, there's actually a high amount of unemployment uh, with those there because more than likely they're probably students or they had just came and they were transitioned out of active duty, and that would have, you know, cause effect for them to not have trouble finding a job mm. and also health. So um, dental for those reserve personnel is actually pretty important, but that was removed. So thanks, GOP. Hopefully you can add it back. <laughs> Let's do yeah, that. And that's something a, lot, to give you a lot of people in the veteran community fought for that, for dental care, because that's something that has yeah. a lot of profound impacts on people's health and their lives, and not just uh, not just from a cosmetic standpoint, but just your physical health. There's so many things are connected yep. to your teeth and your dental health that is not being addressed. You know, eyes and, yep. and mouths for some reason don't matter. I guess in, in, in American healthcare, I don't no. Get it. <laughs> you can't, no, the you know, frustrating <laughs> part. The frustrating part is that the military, the Army Reserve, at least I know for that side, will pay for the fixing of teeth when it gets to a bad point. Mm-hmm. But they have limitations. So, like, they will do a root canal, but they won't get. They won't pay for the caps because they see that as. Um, elective, you know, services. You're capping an open wound. Like right. seriously, you told it's like saying the band is like, well, well, we'll, you know, we'll we'll stitch it up, but we're not going to put any skin grafts on that on that, on that patch right. of skin that's missing on right. your back. 
And they're not going in. So they currently also do not cover for preventative or routine cleaning, which we know is much cheaper than having to do um, all of the mess after it got bad. Right. So, so, I mean, those are the things that's happened. Um, A few things that the Senate did add that was actually pretty good. Um, It's the treatment of certain materials contaminated with PFAS, PFOS, Mm -hmm. and increase in funding for the study and assessment of health implications of the exposure to that. And for those that aren't aware, um, that is chemicals out of the firefighting foam. Mm-hmm. Um, they're most likely to be in the ground or around saturated airports and things like that, especially places that do a lot of practice with firefighting um, foam. And a lot of military bases have that saturated in the water. So they're trying to do more studies on that because they've actually found some links in health. So we might see an extension of the PACT Act down the road when these things are, when these studies and reports are back to Congress. That's what we're hoping. Fingers crossed. That's the goal. And then another one would be the annual annual report of allegations of sexual misconduct in the JRTC programs. There's a high amount of sexual misconduct in JRTC programs compared to regular teachers in our high schools and middle schools. There's actually, they're actually in a few middle schools. And so this will give them a, a better report hopefully to Congress so they can see what changes can happen. They also include um, an annual class um, from the um, Memorandum of Understanding with the schools about sexual assault and sexual harassment. This might be a little bit complicated because a lot of schools out there are not allowed to teach sex sex education. So how can you teach sexual assault and sexual harassment when you don't teach sex education? So Mm. we'll see how that one goes. Because, like, for myself, that was raised in the South. I did not get sex education. So not even at a certain, like, not even, like, in high school or middle school or something like that? Nope. My my mother elected me not to and handed me a cartoon VHS to show me what the heck happened, and I still didn't learn that much. I learned because, you know what, I'm a millennial, and I learned from the Internet. So... Hopefully, it wasn't I mean, the, hopefully the right websites, not the ones that yeah, <laughs> I know, right? might get you into more trouble. I was good. I knew what websites not to go to. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting but yeah, thing about things. this, we've, we've talked about all these things in our show. We've had, we've had detailed yeah. discussions with experts on these topics. And it's good yeah. to at least see that the, that the government is taking this stuff seriously. Um, once mm-hmm. again, the only thing, we're batting a thousand until we got to the dental health. And then that, and that's, yeah. that's really sad to yeah. see that was taken out because it actually saves yeah. money, saves the military, and saves our taxpayers money to do the common sense things, which are preventative health, rather than, you know, we could spend a few dollars on some cleanings and things like that versus thousands and thousands of dollars on a root canal or getting teeth repaired and things along those lines. Yep. Yep. I know. I mean, they're listening, guys. So, I mean, that's the reason why this, the mis- the sexual misconduct in the JRTC program is becoming around, and also with the help of the New York Times and other newspapers. But keep talking to your, your elected officials. Talk to news media companies. Let them know what's going on because they can pick it up, and then they, um, that's when the elected officials can find out because that's how they found out about a lot of things. And just keep fighting because you know what? These changes are made or because people talk about it, and they let people know. So bring that stuff up. Stephanie Collada, great to have you again. Thank you so much. America's Heroes Group, we'll be right back.
Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.